Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports soccer podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we have a news and notes show for you all. There's a lot of things that have been happening across the globe in soccer. So, of course, we got to chat about it all. And uh, we're going to do that with you all today. A quick reminder, hello and good morning to you all joining us in the chat. Appreciate you. As always, subscribe to us on YouTube. Give our videos a thumbs up, youtube.com slash attacking third. Get exclusive content preview recaps right here with us on A3. Good morning. Good morning to everyone in the chat. Good morning to you, Lisa. How are you doing this morning? morning? Uh, you know, I'm grinding through, grinding through the week. We're on Tuesday here. Here we go. Um, but it's good. We've got a lot of news to digest today. We haven't done a news and notes breakdown in yeah. a couple days, a couple weeks, because we had yeah. the draft and then we had a lot of U.S. Women's National Team coverage. There's been a lot going on that we had to talk about. So now is when we kind of do our deep dive on everything that's been happening that maybe we haven't had a chance to talk about because there's been some trades, there's been some news, there's been some updates, there's been a lot going on. So I'm really, really excited and interested to get your thoughts, especially on some of these trades that happened in the NWSL. But there's so much more to come before that. What about you, bud? How are you doing today on this lovely Tuesday morning? Uh, You know me, thoughts. I have them for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to chat about them on on the show with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you though. Like as you touched on that just now, I was thinking, I was like, gosh, I'm like, we haven't done like a new segment in a little while. I want to say maybe it's about a week out, but I mean, we were, we had that, you know, the, the faux international window with covering January camp and that kind of um, took priority for us to, to sort of take a look at those first games in 2023 for the United States women's national team. But um, that's done. We've put the book into that, closed the door on that. We're looking ahead. Um, everybody should go check out all the episodes that we did on it, whether there were previews or recaps or reactions to the roster. Um, 
because now we're going to get to talk about some things uh, all across uh, multiple areas uh, of the globe, not just NWSL, although there is a ton of NWSL news that we have to oh, touch yeah. on as well. But let's let's start with maybe something that's, stick, that's kind of fresh in our minds coming off of, of a weekend of, of domestic club play. Uh, FA Women's Super League uh, had a number of games that were canceled um, due to a frozen pitch. So just not safe conditions to be playing in. Uh, We had, we saw Brighton and Arsenal get canceled. uh, Chelsea and Liverpool get canceled. Um, Brighton uh, and Arsenal is a pitch at Broadfield stadium. They took a look, uh, you know, you always take a look at the at the pitch before you kind of take it when in whenever there's those, those type of kind of wintry conditions. Um, but they said, hey, this after an inspection in the afternoon, like we're going to have a new date and a new kickoff time and there will be relevant ticket information announced. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool was not as smooth, though. We, no. we, had, we saw how this game um, they attempted. They attempted to play this game. And I'm I'm a little. uh I guess I guess the word is surprise. I don't want to I don't want to fool and be like I'm disappointed, but I am. I'm like, how did you, how did you like to, you know you you typically go through a pitch inspection before kicking the ball, and and yet yep. even with that, even with the the inspection, it's insane that it was unplayable. You still try to take a run out. It's it's a uh, it's tough tough for me to really wrap my head around. I agree. I mean, the fact that not one, not two, but there were ended up being three games postponed this past weekend in the Women's Super League. And and I think the one that's maybe upsetting and a little bit infuriating the most is the Chelsea versus Liverpool game because it was deemed unplayable. So then they were like, okay, we'll push back to two o'clock in the afternoon when the sun has been shining a little bit. We'll see if it thaws the ground um, and heat heats up the pitch a little bit. Um, they, they end up having kickoff at 1230 and they end up then stopping the game five minutes, six minutes into the match. They said match abandon. Uh, We're going to postpone this. It was suspended to be resumed at another point. And both managers were upset about this uh, in their media, talking about it. Um, Emma Hayes uh, for Chelsea's manager saying that it's about time we take this game seriously, whether it's uh, managers not being the ones to decide, but FAs and officials were that they shouldn't have even started after the match was deemed unplayable, that they need better facilities for women's domestic football, that they need to work on heating the pitch, right? That's the technology that we have. Like, why, why aren't they doing that? And, and should these games even be played in January? That was a conversation as well swirling around this because between – uh, Brighton and Arsenal, Chelsea and Liverpool, and then Tottenham and Leicester City, they were all postponed due to a frozen pitch. And and yes, for Brighton, Arsenal, and Tottenham and Leicester, they were postponed before the games actually started. But to play five minutes and then be like, oh yeah, it's still frozen. Like, why couldn't you have figured that out before kickoff? I don't understand that uh, by any means. It's not fair to the players. It's not fair to the managers to have them be the ones making those decisions. Um, it, it should be decided upon before the fact at that point. Um, but uh, because of this and everything that kind of happened and, and the fans coming out to these games and not being able to watch anything happen, I know some of the players took to social media saying, hey, we're really sorry to all the fans that traveled, that bought tickets, that 
found their way to the stadium in order to watch this game. They end up seeing five minutes and then they all have to go home before when they knew a couple hours before 930, before kickoff at 1230, that the pitch was unplayable. That's frustrating to me as someone watching this and talking about it. Yeah, I think for I'm I'm with you. I mean, I think we're both in the same boat here uh, in terms of like reaction or, or thoughts to to something like this. I mean, you're talking multiple games, um, so the weather the weather at this point affecting all the matches and all the pitches and essentially all the players. Um, it brought back like some weird like flashbacks for me too. I I remember being out in Bridgeview. Um, having to cover, I believe it was a game between the Red Stars and the rain. And there was a similar constant back and forth um, about possibly starting a pitch. And it was uh, similar conditions. It was not just frozen, but really, really icy. Um, And there was like still some, some downpouring of like really dangerous kind of sleet. Um, and you had players try to attempt to like have a warm up, and then there was conversations between officials. And um, at the time, Rook Elby was president of the, of the of the players' association, and it really sort of took uh, this. It really sort of took a collaborative effort from players, unfortunately, to push the decision to postpone the game. Um, and I remember being like, "That's." really unfortunate that it has to sort of like really be motivating yeah. factors by, by the team. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful to hear a coach like Emma Hayes kind of, you know, go into these, you know, brief media rounds be, around the news about the postponement and, and say what she said, cause she's not wrong. I agree with those as well, but sort of saying like, this is not, <laughs> this is not acceptable you have to make you have to make that decision. Managers should not be the ones and yeah. no. play like that's when I heard when I saw that quote, it immediately took me back to that moment because I'm like the there are certain people who are supposed to make that decision, and then there are certain people who should not. Like the players at this point, their job needs to be to show up and play the game. That is the not job of a player. Not determine yeah. if the elements allow them no. to do their job or no, not. That's gonna no, be yeah, on the, someone the, else. Because the managers they, need to provide the game plan. They exactly. need to manage the game and not have to worry about the and, and the players' off. mindset needs to be: we're playing no matter what. If we're feels like we're running on concrete, if the ball doesn't bounce because it's frozen, they have to deal with those things and continue to play. That it can't be on the players or the managers to decide if it's too cold or not. If the field is too frozen. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get some updates in terms of uh, what those next dates look like, and and hopefully the the ticketing gets gets sorted out for um, those who are in attendance to try to watch a game, um, and maybe there will be an update, and maybe we'll get a chance to to chat about um, that update as well. Uh, of course, we want to shout out Liga Mekis Feminil, a very very cool new partnership between. Tigres Feminil and Bayern Munich uh, was very cool to see uh, this get announced how uh, alongside really a lot of different type of partnerships that we're witnessing. It sort of feels like these are becoming a little bit more and more common. We're looking at these very kind of unique situations where there are two 
international clubs and they sort of merge together to try to embark on a part partnership, whether mm -hmm. that's going to include uh, something like shared resources or branding plans, or in this case, uh, a really, really cool uh, competition. <laughs> and we got to... We, Got to see, again, got to shout out Tigres because they're really, really great about trying to make their games accessible. And a lot of times you could catch a lot of their games specifically like on a Facebook um, Facebook watch. And they defeated Bayern 1-0, great goal in the 20th minute by uh, Lisbeth Ovalle. And uh, really cool way to sort of just continue, yeah. just to see Tigres continue their not only their constant success, but their their new year in 2023. I, I agree. And this partnership announced in December. So just about a month ago, December 2022. And the whole purpose of it, right, to grow the great to grow the game because Tigres or excuse me, um, Liga MX Femenil is only six years old. And in Mexico, they're really trying to attract more fans to these games because the competition is top notch, right? Tigres especially is winning all of these games, dominating the play in, in everything that they're doing. And so they want to make sure they're growing the game, getting the word out there about everything that's happening in Mexico and why it's so fantastic. So this partnership between Tigres and and Bayern, um, it was announced in December of 2022. And this match that happened last Saturday in which T-Grace won, they, they defeated Bayern. I love that you said that. We got to repeat it. Um, this was kind of the kickoff of the partnership, um, which is going to continue to snowball into more and more um, different opportunities to grow the game. I, I think every year it also announced in in um the partnership between them every year, Tigres is going to send three players and coaches to Bayern Munich to train at the campus alongside the women's team, um, which is very, very cool to see kind of that cross promotion and that cross branding between these two different clubs and how they're able to grow. Because then you have Bayern fans starting to watch Tigres and starting to watch uh, Liga MX Femenil. And that's how it works. It's this little bit of a snowball effect, but um, really exciting to see the start of this and the fact that it's already moving, right? December, it's announced. January, we're getting our first game. Let's see what happens next as this continues to grow and flourish. Yeah, no, I I, I love it. I love that um, you could hear from Bayern players sort of post-match and uh, sort of listening to them and sort of like the, the rationale behind trying to find like uh, a good partner across uh, like internationally in terms of like, um, you know, meeting, like checking off all those boxes, like so many of right. the really cool things that you just mentioned. And they were like, you know, a league, a really cool league with like really good players that we want to have that partnership with it's Liga MX Feminino. And I love that because it is, it is a young league and it is still a growing mm -hmm. league, but that's not to say that there hasn't been, and amazing strides that have been made over the course of a short time in this, in this, in the short history for this league. Um, and I just love like the, the scenes like within this game, like that, that's the other thing that's really, really cool too. It's like the, you, you see a very iconic like club and brand like, like Bayern. And they're like, you know, there's, they're looking at the feminine and it's like, as equals essentially and they're just like if we play these games in mexico there's going to be like a really good turnout there's going to be uh lots of history that's made you're going to see like really really good crowds um getting into in into these gates crossing the turnstiles and getting into these uh you know seats to to watch 
these two iconic clubs sort of just go uh, head to head. And uh, I, I, I love, I loved it. I love that Tigres walked away with the win. Um, I'm just like recounting it like back in my head right now, but it was Ovaya. They got the service on the goal and Uchenna that right. knocked it away and all my excitement of, of thinking about the game. That was like a thing that I did to like treat myself over the weekend. Like when we talk about Yay. like self-care and like things that you want to like do just for yourself, like just for fun. I was like, I'm just going to like, just watch this game. Um, and you know, maybe like, we'll get to a point like things like these that like partnerships like these are really important because you, you show the interest and it, and hopefully that leads to, um, even more access to the game. And it's tough. It's just like, Oh, it's like, I mean, you're watching these games like on your phone, you know, it's like, I would love to like, try to like, you know, get that out on my, on my, on my screen. So yeah, you can, if you, there's ways that there's workarounds around it, right. If you've got like all those <laughs> smart devices and you can go ahead and do that. Yep. Um, but love to see, love to see the numbers in the stands, love to see the numbers um, in terms of viewership, like on these streams, you know, you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands. So um I'm looking forward to, to seeing the, the the continued partnership uh, between uh, these two teams moving forward uh, internationally. Uh, more news, uh, World Cup uh, type of news. The official FIFA Women's World Cup ball has been released. Oceanus, Oceanizi. Listen, I'm trying to make sure that we're <laughs> saying it correctly, but uh, we've got a great image of the ball up here uh, in our live. Check it out. I love the colors. I love the design. Of course, I love the the World Cup logo on that. Hello. That's what we're gonna see. So many great teams kicking around in New Zealand yeah, and Australia. Very special to see, um, and, and FIFA did it in a fun way. They they post this little video out on their socials. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. We also uh, did a little remix of it on Attacking Third, so go check it out. Um, it, of the ball kind of being carried by a helicopter over the skyline of Sydney in Australia, and then it gets placed at Marks Park, um, where it ends up being the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023 ball. It's designed, inspired, by the unique landscape of Australia and New Zealand, which is very cool to see. You can see it in like the blue and the yellow and the green on it. And also 1% of all net profits going to the Common Goal Projects to drive gender equity in sport. It's a celebration of the cultures of both host, host countries um, and it's done by a, a great artist. I'm going to try to say it. Sharini Sutton and... Maori artist, uh, Faoni Colis. Um, the art is part of the brand identity for FIFA Women's World Cup, which is pretty cool. But it's a little special delivery in Sydney. That's how they they dubbed it, coming from the Adidas helicopter. Uh, but I like it. I like the blue. I like the green. It looks like an ocean. It looks like a wave that they've got going on. Um, it's just one more step closer to the World Cup, right? Like we're getting these tiny details and that's what makes me so excited about everything that is to come for the 2023 Women's World Cup. Love to see it. Love to, to talk about it. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about so many bits of news and notes uh, coming up. We've got some NWSL news, breaking news to talk about. We're going to chat all about it after a quick break. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Let's chat all about some news and NWSL. Let's start with what's most recent because, of course, once attacking third goes live, there has to be breaking news. We've got breaking news out of Kansas City Current. We'll be reacting to it live here. They make the announce that that midfielder and veteran NWSL player, Canadian international and free agent Desiree Scott has announced that she's re-signing and staying in Kansas City will remain the current captain. Look, let's just react to it right now on, on the show. Lisa. Are we going to see Kansas City in like an eight to one? They have got like plenty full amounts of midfielders. What are your first reactions to the resign? Yeah, I think my first reaction is we're either going to see six or seven in the midfield for Kansas City, <laughs> where we're going to see some players out of position because not only do they have so many midfielders on their roster. I haven't even had time to count up how many of them there are. Morgan Gattral, um, Ketel Fava been, has been playing in the midfield most recently. Desiree Scott, Lola Bonta, Sam Mewis, Vanessa DiBernardo. Um, uh, Alex, 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 Guerra, like. Alex Guerra has been pushed <laughs> higher. Not uh, not playing Dabinia, they've also got in their midfield. So because of how stacked they are in the midfield. I am so curious to see if we see players out of position or or quote, not out of position, but like trying different things. Or if we see a a different formation from Matt Potter about how to utilize all these central players. Um, I mean, Desiree Scott was a free agent and she's obviously been a free agent for a handful of months now. And she was one that maybe wasn't at the top of our most watch list to start the free agency period. I, it was Dabinia for us, you and me here at Attacking Third. And mm-hmm. then when we kind of saw Kansas City make all these trades for players like Morgan Gattral and Vanessa DiBernardo, midfielders out of Chicago Red Stars, we were like, okay, interesting. Desiree Scott is still a free agent. What's going to happen here? Then most recently we see uh, Dabinia, the free agent midfielder, signing with Kansas City. And we we're like, okay, mm-hmm. they've just gotten three brand new midfielders that – in addition to the ones that they already have, like what does this look like for Desiree Scott? Where does she fit into this? How does she kind of fold into it? Because they did lose Kristen Edmonds, who who did play more defensively. But I think alongside Desiree Scott, those two, um, I, I think that maybe I was like, okay, was Desiree Scott going to drop into the defense a little bit? Like what's going to happen here? And now it's official. Desiree Scott has re-signed with Kansas City. The captain is staying in KC. I don't know what formation we're going to see from that potter. <laughs> I'm going to be really honest here. I don't yeah. know. Like a three, six. I, I don't know. 
Uh, I can't wait to see it. I guess I'll say that. I'm, I'm with you in ter- I'm, I'm with you in terms of the reactions. I, look, I, I'll even throw in another one. I'll say I'm a little, a little surprised. I, I, I just yeah. sort of felt like with the off season that Kansas City has had to date, um, and that includes uh, the free agency period, the trades, the the, the draft, including all that. Um, I didn't know if Desiree Scott was in the plans for, for Kansas city current. I'm like, wow. Like, well, maybe, maybe there's something happening in other pla- in, in other, in other areas where yeah. we're, we're, we witnessed so many players in this free agency period exercise their free agency. And many of them have made moves. I think it's, it's, that's something that we're going to walk away with in this free agency period where it's, there were more players who exercised their free agency than those who right. directly signed with or re-signed with, with their clubs. Yeah. Um, maybe once we go, maybe once it's like official, like the season actually kicks off and we go down the list and maybe it'll shake out that it was a little more even, but I think at this point, I think there's a, a few more who exercise the, the right to sort of re-sign and other clubs. So because of that, I, I am, I'm, I'm a little su- surprised. Um, in a number of ways, just because, like I said, because of the moves that they made, I didn't know or see if this was really something where it's like, okay, they still had the, this this particular player in their bigger picture, yeah. in their plans for, for next season. Um, and at this point in free agency, if you're looking at like who are maybe some of your uh, kind of ready available midfielders, that that would be a Desiree Scott would be a player that other teams would really try to yeah. to to wrangle onto, onto their own rosters, but something very cool that we've heard coming out of free agency when as players have made these decisions to sign with new clubs, a lot of them talking about the things that matter to them. And what we've heard with Kansas city, we've heard constantly about the environment. We've heard constantly about the facilities that are available to them. Um, the yep. the player first sort of mentality, uh, the fact that they're coming off of a championship finals appearance, uh, that that is very important to these people. We heard Davinia talking about that, Morgan Petra, Vanessa DiBernardo, et cetera. These are, these are all players on these free, this free agency list that have at minimum, right, six years of playing time within the league. So these are players, these are veteran players. These are players in much different yeah in their careers. So I would anticipate that, you know, making sure that you're on a team that can contend for titles is probably pretty high on the list at that point in your career. So um, congratulations <laughs> to, to <laughs> Karen on, on, on nabbing an, another uh, midfielder to their roster, not just any old midfielder. I mean, we're talking about Desiree Scott, someone who's had a pretty prolific career at this point in NWSL, but also internationally. She's been a force for Canada's national team, has been with the, the Canadian national team since she was like 16. So, you know, multiple Olympic medalists coming off of the gold medal in the Tokyo Games. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how right. it will play out. I, I Again, I would imagine that if all goes well and she remains healthy and informed that she's a player that Beth Priestman in Canada will be taking to a World Cup. So, you know, perhaps there's a little bit of a, a conversation about what her role is for club this season. I, 
I think it's interesting, though, to kind of put out there that congrats, Kansas City, because I agree with them. As Desiree Scott is a free agent, I imagine she had plenty of other offers because she is a veteran. She is a versatile player. She can play in that defensive six. She can run a midfield. She's got a lot of experience doing it for um, domestically in the NWSL. And as you said, for Canadian women's national team, she won gold, right? Like this is a player that has so much experience and any team would be lucky to get her. But I think it speaks a lot to what Kansas City is building in KC right now. The fact that they've got all these great facilities and I'm just like curious what those conversations were, whether it was with Dabinia or with Desiree Scott as to kind of how these players fit onto the roster. And maybe with someone like a you say like, hey, you're going to fit on here if you come here. We'll find a spot for you. Like you're going to run this midfield. But how do you have those conversations then with someone like a Desiree Scott? I, I just as a player in free agency, that's one thing you have to look at at a roster and say, hey, where do I fit into this? And it's a little full. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen there for Kansas City in their midfield. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like uh, come opening opening day for for NWSL, but not just Kansas City involved in uh, acquiring new uh, players or re-signing players. Uh, North Carolina has been pretty active in in the headlines when it comes to player movement. Let's start with uh, some some movement between North Carolina and Angel City FC. Uh, Tyler Lucy uh, moving over to North Carolina Courage. Uh, in exchange for defender Merritt Mathias to Angel City, had spent five years with the Courage, and I think with this trade, a little bit of similar energy. We're just kind of like, okay, so there's there's movement happening with with North Carolina out of the draft. I mean, they're they're making an exit from the 2023 draft, having acquired uh, four players in 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 that draft, uh, but also trading away a very um, you know, but what could have been potentially a cornerstone kind of building piece uh, for yeah. this franchise, but trading Ordonez to Houston Dash. Um, and we had talked about, we've given a lot of reaction to that as well. If you're looking for it, please go back and check out the episodes. But um, part of that was uh, that it was such a young player already making a request right. for a trade. And that that was the most curious part about it for, <laughs> for me. This is a nice Andrew statement that I'm not – this is not sourced yeah. or anything like that. This is just me sort of just reacting to it then and even reacting to it now. And then they follow all of that up with this trade for Lucy and Matthias. And now at this point, you're looking at a veteran player. Again, a, a player who's been with the Kurds for a long time, has won multiple titles, now on the move to, to Angel City. Yeah, and we, we talked about Diane, Diana Ordonez and that – North Carolina letting her go. That's how I'm saying it because they let her go. They should not have. We talked about this when this trade happened. Um, it was right around the draft, the NWSL draft in early January. And we talked about how I, as as a North Carolina person, a coach, anyone there, would not have let her go. I would have said, you're here to stay forever and ever. After we lose to Vina, <laughs> after everything that happens, you're not leaving us. And I honestly, I'm being <laughs> very honest right now. But now we see that North Carolina had um, 
entirely other plans for their 2023 than I could have ever predicted because they send Merritt Mathias, five-year veteran with North Carolina defender to Angel City FC. So Angel City bulking up their back line uh, because they traded away Tyler Lucy, who is a forward, right? Was drafted out of Princeton as a forward, um, played some time in the Pacific Northwest and then made her way to Angel City as a forward. And Freya Coombe very swiftly decided to convert Tyler Lucy to an outside back and a pretty good one. At that, she did a great job in outside back role, but we also didn't see a lot of rotation from Freya Coombe and Angel City. So Lucy really didn't play up front at all for Angel City. So now we see Lucy going to North Carolina. I think she's going to be back in the front line. I, I do, but this was after this initial trade of just losing, losing Merritt Mathias to Angel City, but then North Carolina continues to go on this um dominant trading <laughs> spree that they're on right now. And they end up trading away a couple more defenders in Abby Erseg and Carson Pickett. So now I'm thinking, okay, maybe Tyler Lucy is going to play along the back line for North Carolina Courage. Uh, that's one thing that I'm really interested to see. Initially, I was like, okay, Lucy's going to become a forward again for Sean Nahas <laughs> in North Carolina. But now after they lose Merritt Mathias, Abby Erseg, and Carson Pickett, I'm just not so sure. Well, let's 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 just dive right into that trade because there's again there's a lot of movement and acquisition that North Carolina has has made, so we'll we'll just we'll just dive into that. That's that's the next big trade I think that everybody really wants to hear us chat about. That involves North Carolina Courage again. Recent news uh, between the Courage and Racing Louisville FC, a big trade with Emily Fox making her way back to North Carolina, the Tar Heel Nation in exchange for Abby Ursig and Carson Pickett. Um, two defenders for, for one player, I think, is maybe the, the first thing that people are looking yeah. at uh, when you look at the reaction of this uh, trade. The other thing that I'm looking at, too, is the reaction of, of, of players and sort of what they have to say. I mean, we're, we're just talking about uh, Lucy going to, to North Carolina in exchange for Matthias and, and, and Matthias taking to her Instagram and, and penning what was sort of a bit of a nice farewell to to North Carolina Courage and then the fans there, um, which to me maybe sort of speaks that perhaps that that move was somewhat mutual, at least and yeah. in terms of the movement. The Matthias is just like, hey, it's it's been a it's been a ride. What a ride. And I'm moving on. Right. And then you've got this trade between it between the Courage and Louisville. Fox to the Courage, Ursic and Pickett to Louisville. Um, and Abby Ursic, longtime captain of the Courage, uh, also taking to social media as well and uh, saying that she was uh, shocked and disappointed to, to be making an exit from the Courage. So a little bit of different uh, verbiage utilized in, in some of these in some of these farewells. Um, and Ursic being pretty vocal that uh kind of caught her off guard and it wasn't something that uh, was was expected. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the players and the clubs in, involved in this particular trade, um, what does that mean for Racing Louisville to get two players and Erisig and Pickett? Or what does that mean for the courage to, to get a player like Fox? Yeah, I think for North Carolina to get a player like like Emily Fox is huge because they've now lost Merritt Mathias, Carson Pickett, and Abby Erseg. So you have to bolster up your back line somehow. Um, 
I think it's really big for Emily Fox to be quote, quote unquote, returning home. This is a player that uh, played her years collegiately at North Carolina as a Tar Heel. And, and I think that it's a move that maybe she wanted to see for herself as well. Um, it, it benefits the player in that sense. But the, the name that Emily Fox has made for herself at Racing Louisville is a big one, right? She solidified her spot um, at the U.S. international level playing with the women's national team. This is a, a, a person and a player that has done a lot in just two years in the NWSL, which is really impressive to see how it unfolded. But I think you also really have to look at what North Carolina is losing in all of this. Yes, they gain a, an international defender who's most likely going to be gone for the World Cup, mind you, for two months in, in the summer. But they've also now lost Abby Urseg, Carson Pickett, and Merritt Mathias. Those, uh, Merritt Mathias, Carson Pickett, those are your outside backs that dominated the league last year. They are prolific. They understood how North Carolina was playing. They understood the system. They understood what everything was going to look like. And Abby Urseg, your captain, your namestay in the center back, your New Zealand international that just retired from the international games that she wasn't going to be competing with New Zealand during the 2023 Women's World Cup to focus on her club play. That was her words, not mine. And now you trade her away. And and Abby Ursig, not too happy about this trade from what I could see on her social media posting out there on Instagram saying that um, she was surprised by this trade and she was sad to leave North Carolina, a place that she had made her home over the last several years, a place that she found happiness and found joy and loved playing for the club and for the fans that were there. Um, of course, being a good sport and a, a nice person that she is was like, okay, well, Racing Louisville, I'm excited to get there and I'm excited to see what I can do for you. But this was a big surprise to Abby Urseg. And I think that that hurts a little bit for a club and for a player like that to see that kind of shift happening there. But I'm, I'm really curious to see what, what's going to come of North Carolina this year, what is going to be about them, right? They still got Caroline. Um, they, they've got some other players. They also re-signed defender Ryan Williams in the midst of all of this three years through 2025. So they're, they are, they keeping some of their defenders and I mean, getting Emily Fox is huge for them, but I think racing Louisville wins in this trade a little bit, but in, in getting Carson Pickett and Abby Urseg, I think that's a big get for them to, yes, yeah. you lose one big defender, but you gain two. I, I hear you on that. I think for me, I think for me, there's a little bit of like TBD on this oh, uh, in terms of like a grade uh, overall. I, I think, Honestly, I, I think if it was a if it was a fox for a picket, I think even that's pretty even um, in yeah. terms like if you're looking at a player, I agree. That you're going to be that you're going to slot in positionally and what that's going to look like. Um, I mean, we're talking about Carson Pickett had such a great, uh, I'll just say like tenure with with North Carolina Courage. Not even I, I was going to say just like last season, but she had a great couple of seasons with this team. Um but just coming off of last season, I mean like an assist leader like within the league, um someone who can really just sort of set up teammates um and and, and get involved in the attack and and cover a lot of ground when when you need her to. And I think you can sort of echo that sentiment with a player like like Fox, I agree. right? Um 
I agree. That's but, why to me, Racing Louisville won this because they they got, they got a like extra player like in Carson Pickett, and then they mm-hmm. end up getting a veteran center back to shore up their back line with what they've got, and they I, also got Paige Monahan in this offseason. Yeah, coming out of the coming out of the draft, yeah, and trading with yes. with Gotham. I think, uh, I think, yeah. In terms of in terms of the two, like, there's look, there's clubs in this league that are clearly in the process of of rebuilds, right? And I think you can look at the two teams involved in this trade and say, like, those are two of those clubs. Um, and I'm just a little curious about. Uh, I I think like the TBD for me is also like you know how like where is is Emily Fox going to fit in for for 2023? Again, this is a player yep. increasingly involved in the pool of players for the United States Women's National Team. Are, is there a possibility that we don't see Emily Fox get as much time in 2023 with the courage as, as maybe, you know, they're, they're anticipating or is there, like, what does that contract look like with her time in, in North Carolina versus a picket and an Ursag with racing Louisville? So I think the number of moves that they've been involved with have sort of signaled that. I mean, we saw even just in last off season, um, sort of the exodus from this club and, you know, players like a Sam Lewis or Lynn Williams or Jess McDonald, right? And how that has now trickled over into a second consecutive offseason. And now you can go down a list of players who are now absent from from this team and whether it's an Ursig or a Pickett or a Matthias or a Dabinia that they lost in free agency. Um, so in terms of like players who have been around for some time and, and, and can continue to to be that kind of veteran piece for the team. You're sort of looking around and saying like, well, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Denise O'Sullivan? Again, this is another player that is likely going to be absent in 2023 for the world cup with Ireland. So I think, I think if you're North Carolina, there's a potential for one of your uh, pitches to players or selling points to players is, is that this is a place where you can come in and compete and, and potentially, uh, win a starting role with this team, uh, but you got to get in here and, 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 and compete for it. So um, yeah, lots of movement, lots of movement. If you're North Carolina yeah. courage players coming in, coming out, um, touching about touching how they signed Danish forward, uh, Miguel Jensen to a two-year contract through 2024. So a, a forward there, yep. I think with this recent trade, maybe we will see Tyler Lucy yep, utilized forward. in, in, in in the back in the back line, um, you know they they also they also made the the they made it official. They made the official announcement of uh, their assistant coaches. I thought this was kind of funny to sort of see the release come out. But Fabrice Gatra named as a full time assistant coach, and this is this all coming out after the draft when he was very clearly at the draft, like at the draft <laughs> table, like making the shits a little backwards. Um, but uh, shout out to all the clubs that were like in a fury to get out those press releases that they had had so many assistant coaches because so many of them were going to be at the draft. For example, like Ella Masser with Chicago or yes. Scott Parkinson with the rain. But here's Gatra that that one that release obviously got put on the back burner a little bit. But he's officially in an assistant coaching role with the courage. Uh, but Angel City also making the announcement uh, that they've got uh, Melissa Phillips from London City Lionesses uh, as a new first assistant coach. So a lot of lot of movement, a lot of a uh, lot of new coaching uh, assistant coaches into the mix for certain clubs. Uh, Racing Louisville 
participating in that trade with North Carolina, but also making the announcement that they have mm-hmm. uh, extended goalkeeper Katie Lund through 2025. Yeah, I think a huge, huge grab for uh, Racing Louisville to secure Katie Lund. This is a player that was put under fire last year, put put in front of a brick wall and said, fend for yourself uh, at times. Um, and I think Lund did an exceptional job in 2022 with kind of everything that was thrown at her uh, between the sticks. She ends up she ended the year last year, 2022, as the lead, with the league record of 112 saves in a season. Um, and, and you and I talked about it on here. Like, that is fantastic for Katie Lund. She had six clean sheets. She started every single regular season match for Racing Louisville. But Racing Louisville's defense was also pretty weak last year. So Katie Lund was put under bullet fire a lot, a lot last year. This is a huge grab to kind of secure a player like Katie Lund through 2025, sure up that back line, have a little bit of consistency in goal as she was their goalkeeper last year and now adding some players like Abby Ursaid, Carson Pickett in front of that back line. Paige Monahan, we could see her play across the back line for Racing Louisville as well. Jalen Howe, Savannah DeMello in the midfield. Racing Louisville, is, they're coming out of this offseason um, with a little bit of strength that they've got across their back line. But with re-signings and everything that comes, there's always a bit of some sad news or bittersweet <laughs> news, I should say, uh, when yeah. players announce their retirement. Darian Jenkins, forward, most recently with Orlando Pride has announced her retirement, a, a tremendous career for Jenkins in the NWSL, bounced around at a couple different clubs um, and now saying that she's she's out, she's finished with the NWSL and she's going to continue on with her life. Really happy for Jenkins and everything she's done and best of luck to her and, and what's next for her. Uh, I will just say on the news of uh... – Five thoughts on on Jenkins, but before saying that mm-hmm. with Katie Lund, uh, I think it was a great signing. Love the clean sheets that she got, um, but I think the fact that she had so many saves and she had so many clean sheets, I think, sort of also like symbolizes that uh, symbolizes that Racing had some struggles on defense. Um, it's a it's a very curious stat for a goalkeeper. I think when they have so many saves um, in a season, you have to ask like what's happening in your midfield and then by extension, what's happening oh, yeah. uh, on your, on your back line. But I think it's a smart decision to sort of lock up your goalkeeper uh, for the next few seasons. So I love that for them. And I'm really interested to see now what that's going to look like uh, for Katie Lund now that she's going to have that type of support and somebody like uh, an Abby Ersig in front of her as well. So already making some moves for, for Louisville and that defense, and we'll see what that looks like in 2023. And um, I'm with you in, in terms of the reaction to Darian Jenkins and making her, her exit from playing professionally. Um, it's always sad. I think when a layer, there's a layer of sadness that comes with, with that when you, when you hear players making their retirement, because so often um, in the women's game, we see these retirements come at ages that you maybe wouldn't see on the men's side of the game. Uh, right. Darian Jenkins announcing this at the age of 28. She had just joined the Pride in, in 2022. Um, I think sort of unfortunately kind of closing out the season with a little bit of a, a lingering um lingering injury and through her career, unfortunately, wasn't, wasn't a a stranger to that. I mean, she, she mentions that in her farewell statement and saying that she, you know, that 
it was she made the decision to hang up her boots and she's really proud of herself for how much she overcame in every phase of her career. Um, but Darian Jenkins really sort of becoming very quickly in this league when she got drafted, essentially what was a bit of a, a journey woman throughout this throughout this yeah. league, having played with a number of teams before closing out her career with Orlando Pride. And I, I think about her and I think about the type of player she is and, and what it could have looked like maybe without some, some injuries, but what she had meant to multiple rosters in, in the past across this league. And when you think about the NWSL and sort of this next era, this next decade that they're looking to, towards and, and trying to take that next step forward, so many of these rosters are built upon players like a Darian Jenkins. Um, So yes, you've got your um, really big international players that are going to get headlines, whether that's United States women's national team players or even Canadian internationals or Brazilian internationals, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, But your, your players that are coming from just making that leap from, you know, playing collegiately, going pro, getting drafted in NWSL and trying their best to navigate their careers in the, in the past decade in this league, I would anticipate was, was pretty, pretty tough at times. Um, so I'm, I'm someone who's very, very grateful for, for the careers and the players like, uh, like a Darian Jenkins. Um, and there's, there's plenty more <laughs> calibers of players like her across the league and, and we'll eventually have to make those types of decisions uh, mm-hmm. of their own for retirement. But uh, we loved having her on the show. It was great yeah. to chat with her on a three um, ahead of that uh, 2022 season with, with the pride. Um, definitely. You all should go check it out. If you get the chance, if, if you want to just, uh, you know, relive Darian Jenkins time in, in NWSL, check it out if you can, but uh, best wishes to her. Uh, definitely has said that she wants to to have a role still within the game of soccer, but maybe it'll just look different. It'll be off the pitch. All right. So um, we'll, we'll see what's next for the great Darian Jenkins, but that is going to be a wrap for us today at attacking third. Thank you all so much for listening to attacking third download, follow, listen to us anywhere. You get your podcast, you can watch us too. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash attacking third. Get alerts whenever we go live. Like, follow, subscribe, leave those comments. We want to hear from you. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also, just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life, while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.